Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast code acast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did it get thirty? Thirty? How did it get thirty? How did it get twenty? 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 How did it get twenty? Twenty? How did it get fifteen? 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 Just fifteen bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows Roy Keane is a mad bastard. And Roy Keane gets a red card again. The United legend humiliated teammates, knocked out opponents, and scrapped with his own manager. Some people come to Old Trafford, and I don't think you can spell football. Never mind, understand it. But there's more, so much more. Maguire, they're here. You should hang your heads in shame. From drunken headbutts to kung fu kicks in the dressing room, this is his story. Levels cross. Keane, the captain leads from the front. My name is Jack Rivlin. Welcome back to the Upshot. I'm joined, as always, by Zach Sweeney Lynch. Hi, Jack. Hello, mate. And we're joined once again by the voice of golf, Mr. James Gregg. Not Peter Alice, but me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, mate. Hello. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> you are the voice of golf, and the voice of Neil Warnock in the last episode yeah, that's as well. True. And hopefully, the voice of Roy Keane today. Uh, we'll give it a go. Should also begin by apologising. Well, to both of you and to our listeners for the Irish accents that are about to be <laughs> attempted. Zach and I have been watching some videos on on how to perfect the Irish accent, and uh, oh, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, gone terrifically. terrifically. <laughs> As wow, you can tell, that set the tone, lads. <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah. I had a look. Nine percent of our audience is in Ireland, so particular apologies yeah. to them. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, we have we have to try, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, my family is Irish as well, so I'm going to get some hatred from them. Yeah, sure. you're going to get where? Where do they? Where are from they from? Sligo, ah, Sligo. Yeah, West Coast. Is Sligo where um, normal people? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of it so. is set. Yeah. yeah, I haven't actually seen it, but oh man, it's yeah. it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very different tale to this one. <laughs> right, should we kick off, Zach? Yeah, so going to kick off in Ireland with Roy Keane as as a young man, and I don't know if many people know this, but he was an unbeaten amateur boxer as a as a kid so he did he only did about four proper fights when he think he was around 11 12 that sort of age but that talent for scrapping kind of stayed with him for for his whole career i think so in 1990 he joined Nottingham Forest he was 19 at this point and he made his debut really shortly afterwards i think he joined in the summer he'd been there for a month and their second game of the season they're playing liverpool it's a huge game and Roy doesn't think that he's going to play. Um, he'd actually played a reserve team match the day before and had then been out with his reserve team buddies and they'd got home at like 2am. They'd been out drinking. So he woke up pretty hungover, but he'd been invited by Brian Clough, the manager, to to come on this trip. And Clough did this quite often. He'd just get youth players to come along just to give them some experience, sit in the dressing room. But he gets there and they're in, they're in the dressing room at Anfield and uh, the kit man's putting the kits out and Cluffy goes to, to Roy and he's like, 
now son, I want you to try that shirt on, number seven. And Roy puts it on and Cluffy looks at him and he says, you know what, Roy? You look a million dollars. You look so good, you're playing. <laughs> so, uh, it's got a bit West Country there. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. This is the, the Bristol the, Brian one. <laughs> 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 in Holloway should have got, got you to do that accent no I mean because oh, no, no, it was good it's all this good. Irish accent practice it's getting me very getting confused. confused it does all just blur into your one accent is somewhere in the Irish sea <laughs> yeah. at the moment <laughs> but anyway so Roy Nottingham Forest teammates most of them don't even know him like he's just joined in the summer and as they're lining up on the pitch he's introducing himself to them but it doesn't take long for him to settle in and make his mark so five minutes in he uh he tackles John Barnes stamps on him and screams fuck off in his face <laughs> how, yeah. how old is he as well he's, he's like he's 19 at this and John point. Barnes is like John Barnes know, is England, England star yeah 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 so that kind of sets the tone for the rest of his career really so he's is he a nutter from day one because I sort of have visions of him being a little bit meek no <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, mean, I think this, I think this story throws some cold water on yeah. that. Although apparently he, in his early days, he, he, he missed home a lot in Nottingham and he was really grateful to Brian Clough as he let him go home back to Cork at the, at the weekend or not at the weekends, I guess, but in the week maybe. And I also read that he, he nearly couldn't get a team full stop before he signed for Forest. He was in Ireland. He played for a team who, who sold him for like 20 grand, but they nearly wouldn't have him because they thought he was too small. Yeah, and yeah, he was yeah. quite a late, late bloomer in football, right? Yeah, and he 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 tried really hard. So he went to trials at I think Tottenham and a few other clubs, Norwich as well. I think in in England, and nobody was interested really. And yeah, he was he was even struggling to to get a top to play for a top team in Ireland. Like the team that he played for was sort of lower league. So yeah, it was he was really thrown at the deep end when he makes his debut at. Liverpool at Anfield but Brian Clough absolutely loved him right from the start I think he'd seen him play a uh, a sort of Irish all-stars young players team and had signed him off the back of that but that honeymoon doesn't last too long so <laughs> Cluffy what a surprise <laughs> it's, Cluffy. Yeah. it's Cluffy and it's Roy Keane <laughs> yeah exactly so there's a, uh, a an FA Cup tie against Crystal Palace and Roy gives away a goal I think he does a, a short back pass and it's intercepted and at the end of the game Clough waits in the uh, in the dressing room hides in the dressing room and when Roy Keane comes in he steps out and screams at him don't pass the ball back to my goalkeeper young man and punches him in the face and Roy gets knocked down onto the floor um, and there's just Cluffy like standing over him screaming in his face um, which yes it's very uh, very Brian Clough I mean presumably Roy Keane respects that style of management yeah I mean they can't really have any complaints yeah it, it, rubbed, it rubbed off on him <laughs> Don't pass the ball to my goalkeeper, yeah. young man. Young yeah. man. That was man. better. Yeah, it was okay. good. Young man. It's kind of nasal, isn't it? With Brian yeah, Clough, it is isn't a it? little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just smacks him in the face. Is yeah. that, that is pretty normal in that, well, certainly with Brian Clough and that era. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Where are we? We're like 1992, 93 kind of thing. 92, 93. Imagine early yeah. 90s, yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy. So this, so, but what I can't imagine is a young Roy Keane. Like, I, I, I'm really struggling with this image. And that's perhaps... 
me doing a bit of a lack of research here, but I can't imagine Roy Keane at 16 or 17 or 19. I just can't imagine it because all I think of is like this guy who's always looked between sort of 28 and 45. Yeah. And that, it must be, you know, there must have been a point where he turned into a real hard bastard. And yeah. I'm guessing that this is probably it, right? Mm. So <laughs> The moment he got punched in the face by, <laughs> Brian, by Club. Brian Club. Or <laughs> well, maybe it was yeah. the boxing. But he doesn't look 19, does he? No, no he's got this sort of battle-hardened face from, from birth, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a tough bastard from birth. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can't imagine little baby Roy, can you? <laughs> <laughs> to give you to give your child's name, Give me the fucking bottle. <laughs> 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 oh, this is setting the tone for his career really at Forest but is is he becoming like a a big name yeah so he becomes the heart of this Forest team he's their star player despite being pretty young along with and what uh, like Stuart Pearce is there I guess uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Stuart Pearce yeah, Mark Crossley <laughs> yeah Mark Crossley yeah he's the one who does all the cluffy impressions yeah he does really good stories yeah. various radio stations yeah but the the team the team end up struggling. So the 1992 season, uh, Forrest are really battling relegation and, but Keane's the star man and they really want him to sign a new contract, but Keane insists on having a relegation clause in the contract. Clough comes out and, and calls him a, a greedy child for, <laughs> for his, for his wage demands. But the clause comes into effect because Forrester relegated at the end of the season um, and Blackburn come in and trigger his four million pound release clause. So Kenny Dalgleish is the, the manager at this point and he meets up with Keane and convinces him to join Blackburn. Blackburn were one of the top teams in the country at that point. And he has this meeting with Keane. They agree the deal and Dalgleish phones up the uh, the admin office at Ewood Park uh, to get them to prep the contract and send it over but this being a friday afternoon everyone had clocked off and gone to the pub so there was nobody in the office so they couldn't get get hold of a contract so dalglish says to keen look there's nobody about but let's meet up again first thing monday morning we'll get this thing signed and keen keen says yep all right let's do it and then flies back to cork for for a weekend with his mates and goes out at the end of the season they go out have a few drinks and on the sunday morning the phone rings in his his family home and his brother answers the phone and it's alex ferguson on the line and he goes upstairs wakes keen up and he sort of comes down bleary-eyed he's like hello hello and it's uh and it's alex ferguson and he convinces roy to joined Man United. I think it was an easy conversation, really. Roy was a Man United fan. And even though they offer him less money, he jumps at the chance. So Sir Alex gets the contract prepped. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't make the same mistake and uh, meets up meets up with Keane right away and gets the contract signed. And you can imagine that uh, this doesn't go down too well with Kenny Dalgleish, who uh, calls up Keane and tells him, you're a wee bastard and you won't get away with this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also threatens to hunt him down in Ayanapa, where Keane's gone on holiday with, with his mates. <laughs> oh my word. I think I've heard this story about Keane talking about that before. And he was saying, wasn't he in... Yeah, like you say, Iron Apper. I always thought he was, you know, Magaluf or something like that. They're all the same. And he's and he's looking over his shoulder because he's thinking that Kenny Dalgleish is going to arrive yeah. at any point. Does he? Does he arrive? I don't think so. I mean, I do love this image of Keane and his mates there, like sipping 
from buckets yeah. of lurid cocktails and then <laughs> Kenny Dalgleish <laughs> down the street with his binoculars and a pitchfork. Also, uh, I can't really picture Roy Keane in Ayanapa. Yeah. Like what, yeah. sort of like clubbing? Yeah, I mean, have you heard the story of him at the Hacienda in Manchester? Yeah. He just once apparently went to the Hacienda, this legendary nightclub. And uh, this was, it was from... Uh, a, a former DJ at the Hacienda who wrote his autobiography and told this story. So apparently he's, he's playing one time and the bouncer comes up to him and says, you know, Roy Keane, Roy Keane's here. He's in the queue outside. And this bouncer was a Man City fan. Um, so he so refused to let Keane get in the VIP queue. So he like queues up with all the, the regular punters and pays his five pounds to get in. And apparently got in there, went to the bar, bought himself a pint of Guinness and just stood at the edge of the dance floor, like surveying it with a, with a scowl. And, um, and this DJ remembers, uh, one of his, one of his mates putting on this track, one of these like nineties dance classics and Roy Keane just stood there expressionless, scowling, sipped his pint slowly, finished it and just put the pint glass down and walked out. (laughs) (laughs) Whether that's true or not, I don't care. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, a yeah. great what, story. What's the chain of events that's taken him there? He's overheard Ryan Giggs talking about this club or Bex or something yeah, and been like, I'll oh, yeah. check it out. But yeah. it's where everybody's like doing ease. Yeah. And, like it's like one of those sorts yeah, of It's like a room full of yeah. mashed blokes hugging. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've got all sipping their water and red stripe. Yeah. And he's there. God, and I mean, Guinness. Yeah, Guinness on draft. Surely not. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that so that takes us into the manchester phase right so fergie gazumps his old foe kenny dalgleish not for the last time and uh prizes roy away it's, it's a british record fee isn't it it's like three three point seven five seven five million yeah ninja. which is a, in today's money who knows what that is but it's, yeah. it's a shitload of money at the time there's like a bit of talk when Keane joins united of like oh is he gonna play because they've got paul lintz and brian robson in midfield but Pretty quickly, he just forces Robson into sort of semi-retirement. Yeah. Anyway, he has instant success at United. He's a mainstay in midfield. They do the double twice in his first three seasons. And for every good performance, there's also a complete meltdown. He's racking up the red cards. There's a really good clip of Gareth Southgate sliding in on him with a pretty awful challenge, to be honest. And Roy just plants his studs on Gareth's chest. He just stamps on him like a cockroach absolutely dispatches him it's really ugly stuff and obviously sees red but Fergie obviously loves this mix of dedication and and hard man you know I think it adds something that the the side was missing wouldn't say all the teammates love him Roy's made captain in 1997 and that starts to create a bit of friction with Peter Schmeichel who obviously you know is a bit of a main man in the squad anyway quite alpha and Roy says that he he never liked the way that, you know, Schmeichel famously would always bollock the defenders. He was big on shouting at his teammates, which, to be honest, so was Keane. But Roy, Roy felt that he was playing to the crowd and it was all a bit of an act. And this tension builds and builds between them and it comes to, to a head on a preseason tour to Hong Kong. So Roy has been out for a few drinks with Nicky Butt, his mate, and they're coming back. They get back to their corridor in the hotel and Schmeichel's waiting for them. And Schmeichel says in his sort of, you know, he's got that weird half Danish, half Mank accent. He's yeah. like, I've had enough of you. Like, you're like, <laughs> well, what is that accent? And he goes, let's settle this. 
that that accent was. Uh, he goes, <laughs> and he goes, let's settle this. And Keane's like, all right. So they rip their shirts off. They're in the corridor. This is like 2 a.m. And they start like grappling. Nicky Bart's kind of like refereeing it, loving it really. And this is going on for a few minutes and starting to make more and more noise. And eventually people in the corridor get woken up. And among them is Bobby Charlton, the Manchester United legend who's on the tour. You know, he's a dignitary. Exactly. He's a sort of, you know, a club dignitary. And Bobby Charlton's woken up by this commotion. He goes outside his room, sort of bleary eyed, looking at his watch, steps outside in his face faded undies and vest. <laughs> and just as he opens the door, he sees Roy Keane headbutting Peter Schmeichel hard, knocking him to the ground. And that's the end of the fight. Bobby Charlton's obviously absolutely horrified by this sight. <laughs> and the, ne- the next day, they emerge really sheepish, like, oh, as the gaffer found out. And Schmeichel's got a really bad black eye. He's wearing sunglasses on the team bus. And they uh, randomly get called for a press conference. And the, the press pick Roy Keane and Peter Schmeichel. So they have to sit next to each other delivering this press conference having just does he keep the sunglasses on apparently yes I can't find any footage annoyingly but uh, anyway afterwards Fergie pulls them out and it's like you've disgraced the club loses it with them but you know it's an an early sign that Keane doesn't really care who you are he will scrap with you even if you're like a teammate (laughs) I think I think like clearly there's enough chemistry off the pitch they make it work famously they win the treble in 1999 and that semi-final in the Champions League against Juventus is seen as Roy Keane's finest hour, at least in a Man United shirt. He covers every blade of grass. Fergie says after the game, I was in awe of him. He's incredible and basically gets them to the final. But he gets a yellow card mm. and he's suspended for the final. And he later describes watching United winning the treble with those two late goals as the my worst experience in football. <laughs> Which is quite weird. I mean... Uh, I personally, as someone who hates that kind of pressure, my dream would be that I don't have to play in the final. I just get my medal at the end. Yeah. But this is honest, right? Because yeah. a lot of people would go, oh, no, it was obviously great. And it's all about the team and that kind of thing. Load of old nonsense. I sound like him there saying that. Yeah. <laughs> nonsense. Load of old nonsense. But actually, that's that's fair play. Like Fair, fair enough. Do you really? Because I think footballers quite often will say that. They say like, in a moment of glory, I didn't enjoy it because I wasn't on the pitch kind of thing. Whereas I cannot relate to that. That's why why we're all sat here talking about it. I feel like if you've played a big role in the the whole run, though, then you're you're entitled to feel part of it, really. I think so. I mean, unless you do a... You know, a John Terry full kit job. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Can't but, imagine Roy doing no, that. You can't imagine Roy Keane going back to the dressing room, lacing him, lacing yeah. his boots up and sticking the socks on. But weirdly, you know, when I think of that picture and all that trophy presentation of them having won the treble, I do think, uh, for some reason, I think of Keane in it. I'm I think amazed, he I'm, was. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't looked. Is he full kitted? Was he the original JT? <laughs> Did he have shin pads on? Commercially? <laughs> <laughs> that is the dividing line. I'll accept. I'll accept a shirt. A shirt. Boots yeah. is pretty weird too. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's that's a tough break for him, but still he's like riding high. He's the captain of the most successful English team since, I guess, the great Liverpool side. However, again, he can't resist turning on the fans the following season. So in, in 2000, United lose at home to Dinamo Kiev, which they probably shouldn't, but it's like an irrelevant group game. It doesn't really matter. And they get booed by the United fans. The club's attracting increasing volumes of glory hunters <laughs> at this stage. And, Pro- and Roy does not like them. And this is the interview that he gives after the game. Some people come to Old Trafford and I don't think you can spell football, never mind understand it. So at the end of the day, they need to get behind the team. And as I said, away from home, our fans are fantastic. I'd call the hardcore fans, but at home, you know... They- 
they'll have a few drinks and probably their prawn sandwiches and they don't realise what's going on out in the pitch. <laughs> so he gives birth to a famous phrase in football, which is the prawn sandwich brigade. He doesn't actually say brigade, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. it becomes. And it is like, he has captured a moment in football around the turn of the millennium where there's this new rise of people who basically aren't massive fans just mm. going to games for... <laughs> The experience. Rooted out the hooligans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they've got rid of, you know, having fenced yeah. stadia and, you know, people throwing missiles onto the pitch and, you know, all the gangland stuff and everybody thinking they're in football firms. Yeah, and- everyone, everyone's thinking they're working. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And now people are there just trying to actually enjoy, enjoy the football. Enjoy their day, yeah, maybe yeah. eat some food. And he hates it. <laughs> Bring the hooligans back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could, but I like that. I, I, again, I like that. I like that. He's, you know, he's he's gone in, he's come off the pitch, he's pissed off, um, and he said what he thinks. Fair mm. enough. No Mr. Corporate about it, is there? And, yeah. he, and actually, he is right. Manchester United fans, whether you hate them, whether you absolutely love them, you know, they are great away from home, aren't they? Because it's like proper diehards and the the away ends are always noisy. But Old Trafford is a bit of a church in it these days. Like mm. it is a little bit. And that was probably the start of it. And he was, you know, fair enough. He's predicted it, hasn't he? Yeah. So. I mean, I, I also find the new thing of like players bowing down in apology to fans. Yeah. It's a bit tiresome. Like there's room for a bit of that as well, but like the endless apologies when you lose and stuff. And you crave a bit of Roy just telling them to fuck off. (laughs) He was speaking from the pinnacle of having just delivered a treble. So it's a bit easier. Yeah, correct. Yeah. If you're going to give it out, you've got to take some back as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean Roy? No, the fans. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just like this. I think the United fans currently are part of the problem. I think Gary Neville's part of the problem of this like constant spiral of complaint. Also, you know, I don't like all this stuff where, and I'm going to, I feel like I'm morphing into Roy Keane here. I've said <laughs> loads of different things that I can imagine him saying on Sky Sports, but like, you know, when they get a team gets pumped three nil away from home and then they pay for all the away fans travel and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That wouldn't have happened in Roy's day, would it? (laughs) You pay your money, then you get what you get. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's the kind of stuff that you'd expect to see him say, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, (laughs) the fans don't take it badly, him having a go. I mean, I guess no one thinks of themselves as being part of the Prawn Sandwich Brigade. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, is he referring to fans like me? Yeah, when if, he you're says that? if you're offended by that, you are. It's an admission that you're a prawn sandwich brigade <laughs> yeah, exactly. member. So, anyway, the fans still absolutely worship him, but no one incurs more wrath in probably in Roy's whole career than Alfie Harland, father of Erling Harland. Obviously, this is a famous incident, but it's worth going back into because there's detail that I think slightly changes how you view it. So, in 1997, while playing for Leeds, Alfie Harland had stood over an injured Roy Keane and basically said, get up, you're not fucking injured, just get up. And Keane had actually done his cruciate ligaments. He was out for a long time. And Roy had never forgiven him for this. And he'd been waiting years to take revenge. And finally, in 2001, he gets his chance during the Manchester derby. Harland, by this point, is playing for Man City. And Roy's been eyeballing him all game. And he gets his mo- he gets his opportunity. The ball goes near Harland. And Roy, eyes bulging, flies in with an absolute studs up shit whistler of a foul straight onto Harlan's knee. It's really ugly when you watch the replay. And Harlan goes down in agony and Roy's standing over him, screaming at him, basically saying, well, basically saying this is revenge. Um, Roy recalls later in his, in his autobiography, I'd waited long enough. I, hit, I feckin' hit him hard. The ball was there, I think. Take that, you cunt. And don't ever stand over me sneering about fake injuries. 
an eye for an eye. Sorry, went a bit West Country. <laughs> it's a hard accent. It is a hard accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so it's like proper no no forgiveness. Four years is a long time for revenge yeah. for anything. And also, he says it's an eye for an eye, but all Alfie Harlan did was say, like, get up. He didn't actually cause the injury that Roy had, I don't think. Anyway, Harland um, goes down. There is a myth that Roy ended Alfie Harland's career that is not true. So a lot of people say that ended his career because Harland retires soon after with a knee injury. But in fact, Alfie Harland played the rest of that game. He played half a friendly for Norway four days later, and he played another 68 minutes in City's next fixture. And it's true that he then had surgery on his knee and never played again, but it was the other knee. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. There's, there's this myth that Roy Keane ended Alfie Harland's career, which is entertaining. Mm. I mean, it was still psychotic behaviour. And he gets he gets a red card, he gets banned at the time, and then when he describes it in his book, he gets banned again. Oh, really? He gets banned after because, the yeah, book? Because, yeah, like a few years later, Roy releases his book and basically says, I did it on purpose, the quote I just read out. And the FA say, oh, it was deliberate. So you get another, he gets five grand fine and three more matches. Yeah. But apparently there's a story from the the FA hearing about that because uh, Roy went in there, uh, the book was published and the FA was like, okay, you did this deliberately. So Roy has the hearing. He goes with his ghostwriter and Roy <laughs> says afterwards that, you know, they're waiting to, to, be, to be heard. And he wanted to say to the ghostwriter, tell him it wasn't deliberate, but he didn't want to insult the ghostwriters. Like, it's such an obvious point. Obviously he's going to say that. They go in there, first question to the to the ghostwriters, do you think that Roy did this deliberately? Ghostwriter replies, there's no doubt in my mind that he did it deliberately. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so yeah, so then, so then he gets <laughs> there's no doubt yeah. in my mind. Brilliant. So good. Yeah. Surely you don't need to be prepared to know that you're stitching the bloke yeah. out. Do you even take an oath at an FA hearing? Yeah. It's not court. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, then he gets then he gets another ban. I think was it five matches? Yeah, then? he gets five grand fine and I think three more matches or something. Yeah. It's not that bad considering he yeah, tried he, to injure a guy. Yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, the footage of that is bonkers, isn't mm. it? You, I've not seen anything like that since. Yeah. In the Premier League. You see it in like South America, Division 2, and the clip surfaces mm. on TikTok two weeks later. <laughs> somebody's ripped it off the little, you know, video cam that's filming it or whatever. <laughs> but you never, you don't see anything like that in the Premier League, do you? If there was something like that as malicious, yeah. it'd be absolute fucking outrage, wouldn't mm. it? And the person would be cancelled and yeah. you wouldn't be doing any interviews or anything. I mean, yeah, that is, it is brutal when you see it back. Yeah. And I'm I think tr- that. Trying to think of another. No, there there isn't there isn't really anything. Duncan Ferguson got done for assault for, but I think he punched someone on the pitch. It's a bit yeah, different. That was in Scotland. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. But that just that also just added to his legend and the the fear around him. Like you can imagine players like once he comes back from his ban, and everyone sees Roy Keane's name with the team sheet, it's like fucking oh, did you, you didn't foul him last season, did you? <laughs> yeah, you didn't shove him in the tunnel, did yeah. you? Jesus. In his book, he says, "I have a list of people like Harlan." He goes, "Like was I thinking about it all the time? No, but was it in the back of my mind that there were certain players I wanted to get back at? Yes. So one of them's Harlan Shearer is another because yeah. remember Shearer." Mm-hmm 
goads him into punching him and then Roy gets sent off. Yeah. And he I was think, a shithouse though, Shearer. Yeah, he was, he was. Go, flew under the radar a bit on that yeah. front. He was good at it. And I think Southgate might be another. I might have that wrong. Yeah. So no. he, he just bore these grudges. But I guess, mm. yeah, it kind of works because you start thinking, all right, I'm going to give this guy a bit of space. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The 2002 World Cup comes around at this point in Japan and South Korea and Ireland have qualified. This is kind of a golden era for Ireland. So they qualified for three out of four World Cups, 1990, 94 and then 2002. And they had a really good team, but Keane was the talisman really. And he, he, he inspired them through qualifying almost single-handedly really. They had a tough group as well. They were in a group with the Netherlands and Portugal. But the backdrop to this was this kind of simmering tension between Keane and the FIA, the, the Irish Football Association. And Keane kind of accused them of having this really amateurish, um, unprofessional approach. And it came to a very explosive head at the at the World Cup. So it started before the World Cup. So just when they were at the at the airport leaving, they're in Dublin airport. And Keane, Keane complains that the team had to hop our luggage through the main concourse and share the departure lounge with fans before taking the scenic route via Amsterdam and Tokyo. <laughs> I'd be quite so, pissed off. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So apparently like would. The, sharing with fans is a bit like they wouldn't be leaving you alone. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck are they doing? Why are they yeah. putting on like a charter plane? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they just they're just like with their own luggage. Like I'm with you, Roy. I'm with you so far. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, were with yeah. them from day yeah. one, mate. Yeah, I was. But <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Let's let's carry on. <laughs> yeah, but it's about to get worse because they arrive in Saipan, uh, where their pre World Cup training base is, is this Pacific island, and they arrive there and they realise that they're training kits and even their footballs haven't arrived um and Keane is understandably quite furious about this he goes to Mick McCarthy he's like well, what do you mean there's no kit there's no footballs like this this stuff should have been sent out last week and the following morning they they go down I guess they managed to get hold of some kit and they go down to the training pitch and the pitch is like bone dry like they almost unusable like they've got the world cup coming up they don't want to get injured and this fifa liaison officer comes over and he's like we would have watered it if 
anyone told us you were coming. <laughs> so they, oh no. So they're just like, oh, fuck's sake. It's like, all right, get it watered though. We'll start training tomorrow. The next day they come down, training pitches as dry as ever, apart from one corner that is completely flooded. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine Keane's like fuming inside at this. But they, they do their training session and at the end they want to do a practice match. But the island goalkeepers... Uh, refused to take part in the training match because apparently they'd, they'd started training half an hour early and they were tired. <laughs> and for Keane, this is this is like the final straw. And he storms into Mick McCarthy's office and berates this, uh, he calls it a third world approach and tells Mick McCarthy that he's leaving, that's it. He eventually is convinced to stay by one of the, one of the coaches, but later that day gives an interview to the Irish Times where Courtney Keeney tells them the truth, exactly what I felt. Uh, so basically recounts all of the, this this whole shit show that's been going on at their training camp. And obviously this causes a huge stir back home. Um, and Mick McCarthy calls a team meeting where they, you know, address, address all this coverage. And he accuses Keane of of faking injury to get out of their World Cup playoff against Iran. Um, and for Keane, this, you know, that is, that's crossed the line. Yeah, questioning, questioning professionalism and everything, yeah. Exactly. And he absolutely loses it with Mick McCarthy in front of the whole team. And he tells him, you're a fucking wanker. I didn't reach you as a player. I don't reach you as a manager and I don't reach you as a person. You're a fucking wanker and you can shove your World Cup up your bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shove it up your bollocks. Shove it up your bollocks. Did he, did he invent that phrase? I've heard it a few Shove times. Shove it up your bollocks. Shove. Yeah. yeah. He's, Maybe, very, he's very creative in his, uh, in his swearing. He also, Irish limerick, you know? Yeah. He also apparently called McCarthy an English cunt. Which is <laughs> more... Why, why, why complicate things? Yeah, exactly. You're in the island camp, place, place yeah, the gallery. Yeah, yeah. Keen, I should say Keane does deny that he um, he said that, but... What, the English cunt bit or the shove up your bollocks? The English cunt. For a man who spent, you know, pretty much his entire working life in England, you would probably say that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, Mick McCarthy is a bit soft English cunt <laughs> but he's a bit of an English cunt isn't he <laughs> we were all thinking well, he was the yeah. island captain was he yeah but he's yeah, got an yeah. English accent so he's, yeah I think yeah, he's, yeah. he's one of them yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got, yeah like yourself yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you can imagine there's sort of no, no coming back from that really um, and Keen Keen flies back home back so to, does he walk out or do they send him home is it just well this is there's kind of some debate over this I think it was basically a mutual understanding that once this had happened, there's... Is it when, like, your girlfriend kicks you out and you say, well, it's fine, I was leaving anyway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Not yeah. that I've got Probably. any experience <laughs> in this field, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, what are you referring to? <laughs> I guess it's a bit like the Harlan foul where, like, he doesn't even look up, look up to see if he's got a red card. He's already taking the armband off and yeah, walking yeah, off. Yeah. It's like, yeah. He's like, I've, I've done enough here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. both, we both recognise. Yeah, yeah. um, but he, so he flies home, there's this huge media frenzy uh he he does an interview with rte the uh irish tv channel where the reporter pleads with him to think of ireland's children <laughs> and, <laughs> oh and what does that mean what as in go no, as back in, as in like yeah yeah think of think of the children's think dreams of the children think of the children talking to the wrong guy <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, is that where he's pictured with his dog walking with his dog all the time? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, trigger the tri- dog. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, um, but it, it, Ireland gets like the quarterfinals, don't they? They have a yeah, really they, good run without yeah. him. Yeah, they lose to Spain on penalties, I think, or at extra time. Does he play for Ireland again? He does later. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But only once Mick after McCarthy's the English cunts go. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> come back to England, back <laughs> yeah. to Wolves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right, back in Manchester. The fireworks keep coming. Um, he's, he's he's scrapping with... This is the era where United and Arsenal are really feuding and there's there's the scrap he has with Vieira in the tunnel, which I always think is a bit overblown. It's, yeah, it's not that good. And there's also the Pizzagate thing where they're all scrapping in the tunnel and Sesc Fabregas throws a slice of pizza and it slaps Alex Ferguson on the cheek. Famous moment. Um, so there's, there's all this tension going on with other teams, but Roy is also falling out with his United teammates at this point. And we're, we're now into late Man United era, Roy Keane. Um, he, there's a new wave of younger players coming through, people like Wayne Rooney and, and Rio Ferdinand. And Roy, he, he doesn't really get them. He, he says later, I didn't get them and their banter, their humour. I was barely having a conversation with any of them. Uh, sorry about the accent again. <laughs> that wasn't bad. That was, I want to say that, that was probably yeah. the number one we've had so far. Really? Yeah, well done, yeah. mate. Yeah, look, I don't know if it's yeah. cork, though, is it? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Apologies, anyway. Um, and there's a good story from this time where they're, they're in the team hotel before a game and Roy's watching the rugby league because he loves rugby league and he goes out for a for the loo and he comes back and Rooney's hid the remote and switched over to X Factor and Roy's like, who's done this? And Rooney's cracking up, but he won't tell him. Eventually, Roy storms out the room, livid. Later on that evening, Rooney's in bed. It's like midnight and he just suddenly hears a knock at the door and he's like, it's Roy, where's the fucking remote? <laughs> 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 so yes, falling out with them. He doesn't really get the new lads. Um, but United's still doing well. Keane's getting injured increasingly. Him and Fergie, you know, every fight is sort of worse. It's harder to make up. It's harder to forgive. And this all comes to a very nasty head in 2005. Roy's injured and United lose 4-1 to Middlesbrough. It's a humiliating defeat. And at the time, MUTV, the Man United official TV channel, have this segment called Roy the Pundit, where it's like, it's a bit of a joke. He's a bit sort of grumpy about his teammates. But this time he really gives them both barrels. He basically goes through the team one by one and absolutely slates his own teammates. He says of Rio Ferdinand, just because you're paid 120 grand a week and play well for 20 minutes against Tottenham, you think you're a superstar. And he says of Darren Fletcher, I can't understand why people in Scotland rave about Darren Fletcher. Pretty harsh. Young Kieran Richardson, he says, is a lazy defender and he just goes on and on. I mean, I think the Rio Ferdinand one's actually the worst. Like he's brought up his salary and made him sound shit. Darren Fletcher's pretty harsh. Yeah, (laughs) it's all pretty harsh. And do you remember Darren Fletcher was, he was Fergie's boy. I don't know why, maybe because he's Scottish and maybe because Fletcher had that nasty stomach thing, but... Alex Ferguson loved Darren Fletcher, would always stick up for him. So that went down particularly badly. The teammates are livid. So is Fergie. MUTV are like, well, we can't broadcast that. So the video footage is destroyed. It's never been broadcast, I don't think. And Fergie initially finds him and is like, what is wrong with you? But it's clear that Roy isn't backing down. And so a month later, they rip up his contract. And that's the end of Roy Keane at Man United. I would say that I think there was a bit of a wily call there from Alex Ferguson that like Roy was starting to get injured a lot. It was the end of his career, but that's it. And everyone's completely shocked. He does get given a testimonial at United, which is the most attended testimonial ever. Really? 70,000 people. Yeah. That's currently cool. still does never- Alex Ferguson turn up. I probably, I actually don't know. Yeah. Anyway, Roy then goes to Celtic, which you'd think match made in heaven. He supported yeah. them as a, as a young lad. They're obviously like, the dream club to play for and be a hero for like you're you're the fans are just incredible but 
Roy does have to adapt to some slightly different standards. As as you said, he's been used to Alex Ferguson's super high standards. And he gets to Celtic and he, he says later, when I got on the bus, John Hartson, a really, really good guy, was already sitting there eating a packet of crisps with a fizzy drink. And I said to myself, welcome to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's literally on the way to his debut. He's like, they're eating crisps on the way to a game. It's got a point. Yeah. And that debut actually goes really badly. It's a cup game against Clyde, who are in the um, the tier below. Yeah. Really small ground, and they lose. And because it's a really small ground, he can hear the fans taunting him. And among the fans taunting him is comedian Paddy McConnell, who um, I think I think was basically just like. I think he might even be a Celtic fan and was just kind of like angry with his team. But he, Paddy McConnell says later that he was taunting Keane by calling him a feckin' cork gypsy, which I have no idea how acceptable that is as an insult, but I'm just <laughs> quoting it. Anyway, after the game, um, Paddy McConnell's really good mates with Neil Lennon, who also plays for Celtic. And Neil Lennon texts him being like, hey mate, I've got a shirt, a shirt one of the players wore from the match. Come get it. Meet me in the car park. So Paddy's like, great. Meets him in the car park and Neil's like, yeah, yeah, come get in my car. He gets in the passenger seat of his car and he just feels an arm go around his neck from behind, choking him, literally like, like gangster style. And then he just hit and he goes, all I heard was the voice. It was like, who's a fecking cork gypsy now, you fecking fat cunt? <laughs> and Neil Lennon in the driving seat's like, Roy, let him go, enough, enough. Paddy McConnell's like choking. And he says, I just, just recovering afterwards, looked out the window and I could just see Roy Keane marching back to his car. <laughs> oh my God. Proper hard man shit. Yeah. So he's, he's still got it. That's not something out of a HBO series. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love it. Love it. Really perfect. I think Paddy McConnell talks of it quite warmly. Like it's a sort of fun encounter. I don't yeah, know who it. he supports. Sounds like a right laugh. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. I mean, you probably, you would, you would be dining out on that story for a while, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to have been threatened <laughs> by Roy Keane, I think. Might happen. Yeah. <laughs> not at the time, but. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this, this Celtic swan song, uh, double-edged sword. They win the double, League and Cup double. But Roy only plays, I think he only plays 10 league games, only scores once. He's a bit crocked by this point. And so I, I guess it's quite a nice way to end the career. But at the end of that season, he hangs up his boots for good. Yeah, and it, he's not out of work for long, though, because the uh, manager's job comes up at Sunderland. And he's appointed 2006, four games into the season. Sunderland are in the relegation zone. He does an amazing job that season. He takes them from the relegation zone to champions. They they win the league and they're promoted. But right from the start, he's really asserting his disciplinarian character as a manager. Um, so there's one game they're playing away at Barnsley and three players arrive one minute late for the, for the bus. And Roy Keane is just like, all right, we're leaving. We're leaving. <laughs> we're leaving without them. And so they missed the game. They missed the game. They missed the whole game. A minute. Um, <laughs> which I don't know. I kind of, I kind of feel like it's fair enough. You got to, you got to turn up on time for the. For well, the you've, team heard bus. This, you've heard the story about Gary Neville um, at the World Cup. I think this was in Qatar, where obviously they're working together on ITV. I'm sure we'll come to that. Neville, I think, had arranged dinner with Roy Keane in the hotel lobby, and it said seven o'clock. And Neville was on the phone or doing an extra bit of social media or something like that. Comes downstairs at four minutes past and. Keane had not only left, but then refused to answer the phone until two days later. <laughs> really? Yeah, and then and then Neville arrives in this ITV studio. Like, where where have you been? I thought we were meeting for dinner two days ago. You you were late. You were late. <laughs> 
unacceptable, Gary. Like that. And that was it. And apparently it was like, no hard feelings. But if you're late, if you tell me seven o'clock, I don't want to go. And he said something like, "If I, de- I didn't want to go for dinner with you anyway. So if you can't then be on time, well, you've double blown it. You know, Amazing. So that doesn't, that's the least surprising thing, actually. Yeah, he just yeah, says, yeah. Great. that's yeah, amazing. That's, he's a stickler. He also, at Sunderland, although they did quite well, Roy had this gripe that there weren't enough characters in the dressing room. So his evidence of that was that none of the players were taking control of the music before matches. So one, it was one of the coaches that did the pre-match playlist. And one time they put on Abba's Dancing Queen just before the team were about to walk out. And uh, so there's a quote from Keane. What really worried me was that none of the players, not one, said, get that shit off. <laughs> they were going out to play a match. Men versus men. Testosterone levels were high. You got to hit people at pace. Fucking dancing queen. <laughs> it, it worried me. It didn't have, I didn't have as many leaders as I thought. <laughs> that was terrible. That, that was good. It's actually good. not bad. I mean, you know, dancing queen. <laughs> the rest was good. Personally, I'm, I'm loving these accents. I cannot wait for the amount of crap that you two are going to get. Yeah. And me as well, by the way. No, yours is quite good, annoyingly. Yeah. Yeah. Annoyingly. <laughs> I love the idea that just the fact of listening to Abba Dancing Queen yeah. before a game means you're not a leader. He then, he then goes to Ipswich. Um, he spends a couple of years there, but he never, he says that he never really settled. <laughs> it was funny, he said, one of the one of the reasons he gave was that I don't like fucking blue. City were blue. Rangers were blue. My biggest rivals were blue. <laughs> so it was never really... You, you think he might have seen that coming, really. If yeah, he, he had exactly. That much yeah, before a, he signed for yeah, Ipswich Town. Yeah. Yeah. This period at Ipswich also saw one of my favourite Roy Keane moments when uh, a journalist phone rang during his press conference. But should it be stopped, the cheating? Yeah, of course. Nobody, Nobody wants to cheat. Whose phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. No idea, it's my phone, sorry. Why don't you turn it off? You're sitting there, that's the second time it's gone off. Why don't you put it on silent? No, it's not the second time. Well, why don't you turn it off? Well, I'll turn it off in a minute. You're just going to let it ring? All oh, right, that's, that's good manners. <laughs> what I love about that is the moment the phone rings and the room falls into a deathly silence, no. and you, all you see is just Roy Keane's eyes flickering in anger. Yeah, there's no, you know, Sean Dyche jovial. Yeah. Oh, that's funny, isn't it? There's no joke. It's horrendous. It's almost that, more it? scary than when he's shouting. Just the silence. It is, isn't it? Oh, that's good manners. Oh, yeah, my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes me. Uh, no. I mean, it is, I can see why he's annoyed. It was letting it ring out. Like, I mean, that bloke is an absolute idiot, isn't yeah. he? And I'm defending Roy every single time <laughs> there's a decision to be made here, mm. but come on, mate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he did it on purpose. You think? Or just to get a bit of content. Yeah. yeah. I'm about yeah. to go into Roy Keane's press conference. Just ring me as many times <laughs> yeah, as you can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Second time it's gone off. <laughs> uh, but he's he's eventually sacked again with uh, Ipswich in the relegation zone. And in 2013, he is appointed assistant manager at Ireland. So he kind of does this weird, like, reverse path in his managerial career. He starts out with a couple of managers jobs and then becomes assistant manager at Ireland and Aston Villa afterwards at Ireland apparently the players also fucking hated him <laughs> so uh, apparently one time he he went into the uh, treatment room and screamed at the injured players you're fucking pricks you're cunts you don't even care you don't want to train <laughs> 
injured. Was that, was that I wasn't like literally just because they were lying there injured. Yeah, they were injured. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're lazy. Yeah, yeah. I think he he always had this gripe about players who supposedly would would get like a minor injury that you could maybe be out for a week, and they'd string it out for three, four weeks and take a break. So I think he's for some reason he's got into his head that people are just making up these injuries. Injuries aren't real. Yeah. Also, I guess when Roy Keane's your manager or assistant manager, you're getting Roy Keane the player without the bit that justified the complete psycho side mm, yeah. like when he's a player it's like oh fair enough he leads by example he's amazing like we couldn't do it without him and now it's like he's just angry yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly with a, a mediocre championship manager <laughs> yeah, we're losing yeah. <laughs> there's also a great clip from when Robbie Keane's uh, wife had had a baby and one of the journalists asks Roy whether he'll be available for the match why wouldn't he be? Well, his wife just had a baby and I think that might have been the baby yeah, but he didn't have the baby, did he? <laughs> Unless he's breastfeeding, he should be all right. <laughs> his look on his face of just absolute disgust at the question. <laughs> Do you think that that is a sign of Roy the future pundit starting to play up to the media a bit? Or do you think he was genuinely... Oh, I think at that point he knows, doesn't he? He's mm. got to. He can't not. Yeah. Unless he's literally living like a complete hermit. Yeah. He knows there that, that 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 he knows how far that line's going to go. Mm. I mean, the fact we're still talking about that, what five six years later? Yeah, yeah. But he's got a good sense of humour. He he pulls off some one-liners. Should we should we talk about some of his finest punditry moments? Mm. Go on. We're, we're, we're just going to go through some clips. I'll obviously introduce them. Um, so let's start with during the World Cup when uh, he questions Jordan Henderson's selection in the England squad. He can't be right. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, well, they want him around the place. For what? what, what does he do card tricks? Does he have a sing song? Is he does quizzes in the evenings? What does he do? And if you're in Liverpool, you wouldn't be happy either. <laughs> so good. It's so good, does I mean, it? he's got a point, the whole, like, good around the camp thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's fair. I've never been just, inside a professional it, football team. But it's so good. It's just the good... <laughs> Just the ridiculous questioning, isn't it? Like, does he do card tricks? Does he do card tricks? Card tricks. <laughs> yes. um, uh, oh, there's another one on uh, after his his biggest niche is probably when United lose, and he has looks of absolute disgust on his face as he rails against the side. So here's him laying into Harry Maguire and David de Gea. But Man United, Maguire, and de Gea. I wouldn't even let him on the bus after the match. I oh. get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> These are established international players and we're all sitting here and I know we have to analyse the game. Analyse it till the cows come home. You do your job. We're trying to get in the top four. Not win leagues, by the way. We're just talking about getting the top four. God forbid about winning trophies. Shocking. I am. <laughs> I'm disgusted with it. Maguire, De Gea, you should hang your heads in shame. Represent Man United and letting people run past you. Get close to people. Move your feet to give away that goal. <laughs> I think that's genuine. That's genuine. Yeah, that's, yeah, not, that, yeah. that's not the Robbie Keane, is he breastfeeding? Yeah. That's, that's genuine anger, yeah. isn't there's it? A, there's a phrase he uses loads. I couldn't find a video clip of it, which is, you should be ashamed of your life. He <laughs> says it about United when they lose 4-0 to Liverpool. You should be ashamed of your life. They should be hiding. And he says it again recently of Jadon Sancho. He says... I'd be ashamed of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Referring to Sancho being dropped. Ashamed of my life and shoving up your bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so severe. I, th- I think the thing that proves that the punditry game is not just an act 
is that you also get these clips of him away from the studio getting into fights. Yeah. So like he's there regularly, you'll see a video come up on social media of him getting in a fight at, off an Old Trafford. So there's there was a guy the other day who got in a fight with Keane and apparently tried to headbutt Keane and ended up injuring himself. That was at the Emirates, wasn't it? Oh, that yeah. was at the Emirates, you're right. The guy ended up bleeding. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah, I do, yeah. It's clear that he still has that same absolute fire. There's one other story I heard recently, which is apparently Roy was at a Neil Diamond concert and he got into a fight with a woman in front of him because she wouldn't stop singing along to Sweet Caroline. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what else did he expect? (laughs) I mean, that is a sing-along song. Everyone knows that, right? Brilliant. I just imagine him standing there and you fucking sing along. Third time. What does Neil Diamond bring? Does he sing songs? Does he do card tricks? (laughs) Try to listen to the song here. Simon not even moving with a pint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So I think the pundit thing is more real than uh, maybe some people think. I feel like it must just be so exhausting going, walking around with this constant, like, ball inside you that's ready to explode. Yeah. Just like, just like snarling at everything, just like... <laughs> but it is a bit of a breath of fresh air, isn't it? As, as a fan. The thing is, when he's a manager, you're used to managers being bastards and you don't see that much of it. But as a pundit, where it's all quite matey, you know, even he's quite matey with Michael Richards yeah. and so on, it's quite refreshing occasionally to just see a bloke losing the plot yeah, with some I fans. Agree. I totally agree. If you had to work with Roy Keane in one of the three phases, player, manager or pundit, which one would it be? Pundit, for sure. I mean, I, th- I feel like he has mellowed out now. And he's, he seems to, he, I think he's the kind of guy that if he's your mate, then he's brilliant. And if he's not, then he's a fucking nightmare to yeah, be around. Exactly. Or if he decides that he doesn't like you, then. Yeah. I think purely because I don't think we saw enough of him as a manager. I'd have loved to have like been a fly on the wall watching him. Mm. Just because I've, I think there'd been so much more to him, like watching him be complex as a frustrated ex-player. Some of the shit he must have said to some like, you know, some bang average championship players would have been gold. I think for that reason, that reason alone, I mean, I'd be fucking terrified of him, yeah. but you, I'd love to have played football under him. That'd yeah. be really cool. Mm. Even just in a charity match, because you can imagine him having the same fucking standards at yeah. soccer aid or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for Ipswich, can't you? Gareth Gates. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth. Yeah. X Factor or Love Island or something. Yeah. <laughs> Sizing him down. Yeah. yeah. What about you, mate? Uh, I'd probably pick player because it means you are also playing for one of the great football teams. Is that yeah. cheating? Pundit's probably the most chilled. I, I I would like to see him manage again. I think we all would. Do yeah, you think it'll happen? I don't think so. He's cushed, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. They're getting too much money, the pundits. There's a lot of people you want to see back in management. Yeah. Mm. I mean, not not Jamie Redknapp, necessarily. No, no, no. Back, back in management? Yeah. In management. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we got time for. Thanks for joining me, guys, to discuss one of the great thug bastards of English football who we all secretly love, really, I think it's fair to say. So uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do hit subscribe and please share it with some friends. We are growing rapidly and it's thanks to people who are sharing the Upshot podcast. So stick it in your WhatsApp groups. Any United fans, um, if if your friends are Irish, please do apologise to them for our accents. <laughs> we tried really hard. Uh, and thank you, James, very much pleasure. for joining us. We Absolute would, pleasure. Let's have you back again, please. Pleasure. Who will you be defending next? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whoever you throw at me, hopefully some mad bastard like Roy Key. Uh, we've, we've got some mad bastards in the pipeline. And thanks, Zach. Thanks, Jack. Thanks a lot. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. 
If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.